You are now listening to Well, Well, Filling Out. Oh my, oh my God, did she just murder him? <laughs> oh no, his pussiness. Misandry. <laughs> yes, misandry. Oh, poor man. Ladies, serial killers are the best. Well, she's never going to get that stain out. Nothing says it's over like running over your ass. It had to be a woman. It had to have been a woman. Are you wearing it? Wait, how big were her breasts? <laughs> well, since we are done with our extended musings segment, it's time to head over to Gayo Let's do it! All right. Episode is so full already, but we have to highlight some of these bleeding messages we got in from listeners. So first in Geo Creo is Catherine. Catherine says, thanks for the shout out on the podcast. I am for sure loving the deep dives, the cow blowing in the wind, the circus music, the random shouting bursts. But above all, I love that I've watched two episodes of season four and could not tell you what Fo Jafari's name <laughs> is on the show. He is simply... Faux Jafari. Thank you. <laughs> Keep up the great work. Uh, but that's, that's thank you so much. Who, that's who, that is thank you who so Faux is. Thank you so much. Faux is like Mopar two, but worse. It's like without right in the what was it the recap? I know it was it definitely was the recap where I went on my extended rant. Right, because that was before I came through the light to see some light. No, no, where right. Faux was concerned, and I just had to talk about what he wasn't and what he was. You yep, know? yep, yep. If he's a cookie, he's giving. What's I'm not even. Go, I'm not gonna die. I'm not gonna say oatmeal raisin because people always try to take the piss when it comes to oatmeal raisin. I love oatmeal raisin. I just know people think that's a basic ass cookie. Oh, I just don't agree. I feel like we should throw something else under the bus, like a ginger snap. But I love ginger snaps. Right? Maybe snickerdoodle. This is my mom's fault. With right. her Healthy snacks. What's a snicker? Remember? Wait, no, I had this discussion before. Yes. I didn't know what a snickerdoodle was. Because Sean Rhymes brought it to everybody's attention. Allegedly, I didn't know. I there was there was. <sighs> It was a thing. So I don't know what that cookie is. What is that cookie? Because everyone I has their like favorite. And I usually like cookie? all the cookies that are allegedly are whack. And I disagree with those. It's a sugar cookie with like another spice on it, I think. I feel like that's right. I feel like that's but how it's But do you think prepped. that's what the worst cookie is? Well, or like I just... the most basic cookie? Oh, now, no. I feel like <gasps> now basic would what be chocolate like chip, a... but people would throw me under the bus for saying chocolate chip. Because a lot of people love chocolate chip, even though chocolate chip is everywhere. No, I know. The same thing with like shortbread. Because I like shortbread. As a right, cookie. Right, but people but, are haters. Right. Like the Dutch cookies. And... Right. Or like the, the figs, which are, they're not co- really cookies. They're more like, but they're, they're small little. Th- oh, maybe we could throw figs under the bus, actually. Maybe. Yeet. Yeet the figs, Terrence. Yeet that shit. I'm sorry. You bought, I just remembered that time you bought all those figs. So that, no, but that's fine. Is that that's why fine. you weren't enthusiastic about that's me eating the, the figs under the, the bus? The figs can be yeeted. Can... The only other thing I can think of is, you know, the sewing kit, the cookies that are in there before it's a sewing kit? <laughs> Don't you dare. I love those cookies. I do love those cookies. <laughs> it's hard. All we, right, I'm I have to... a sweet tooth. This is, this is a challenge for me. Uh, or what about the cookies that have the- Maybe it's because it's, the... it's oxymoronic to say a bad cookie, right? Like, right. Maybe that's like, the problem. Like the the cookies with maybe like the marmalade that's usually like in the in the center, no, like the, with the jam. But those right, are good. I know. You can't I, turn those. This is hard. It's, it's a failure. <laughs> we're failing. We were trying to come up with an analogy. I blame me. I started mm. it. Trying to come up with a cookie to explain foe, and then because I was gonna compare Eve to like a macaroon or something so, awesome, but so I just I've I failed. So let's let's compare uh, foe to uh, basic pizza, like like Papa John's or something. No, you know what I'm gonna do. 
That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna compare Faux, like Eve and everybody else who's not in his lane or his league, is a cookie and a fancy cookie, like a macaroon. He is a cracker. Okay, and got he it. is a plain, not even with salt right, cracker. Not even with but salt. Not a name brand cracker, the cracker that you get from the dollar store. You know oh, what I'm he said you're not even a saltine. You're like a, like a, a faultine, a, right? False a faultine, <laughs> like like a like a store brand. You're a store not brand. Even a store brand. No. That's what I said dollar oh, store. Okay, dollar. Okay, that's where it's the root stuff falling off the back of the truck. Oof. Has the, the oh, expiration when date you got, passed? When you got a is it a chewy cracker that you open the package is it and a you chewy and, cracker? and any of them are still maintaining the shape, right? Or is it all is just it a dust? cracker, right? <laughs> <laughs> or is it just dust? That part. Looking like Parmesan cheese, Mm -mm. Lord. Well, we worked very hard, but we came up with an analogy that I feel is satisfactory about Mm Faux. Thank you, Catherine. (laughs) Yes, thank you for writing it, Catherine. We do appreciate it. Our next letter comes from, uh, say, letter. Our next note. Uh, Let's call them letters. Okay. Our next letter comes from Michelle, and it reads, Thanks for reading my previous email. Oh, you're welcome. I got a kick out of hearing how mad I was slash am when you read it on the snack. (laughs) (laughs) I'll start with positivity this week. Carolyn still has the best random lines. An ass on an ass. In episode one's I Shan't Be Sober, which it's a mantra. I'm sorry. Um, I I may shan't be sober right now. (laughs) (laughs) I also enjoyed Villanelle slowly taking apart the vicar while playing that game. Yo, Listen, with that fire shot and just his face just like contorting to like the reality. What lies beneath all the... Right, right. Love that shot. Jody is always incredible in those types of scenes. They never disappoint. Unfortunately, the Jesus delusion bothers me because if Villanelle is having delusions slash major mental crises, it seems she's a long way from being able to be with Eve in any functional way before she gets better. If the Mm. delusion story is here for a cheap laugh, as it seems, and disappears without explanation like many storylines have... I'll feel like they have wasted a lot of Villanelle time for a gag. Mm. Would have preferred her seeing Martin much early than episode three to get help or do actual work if it fixes whatever's going on between our ladies. Also, did I see it correctly? Did she do a stigma on her delusions hands? Oh, stigmata? (laughs) She sure did. Uh, Was the kiss because she loves herself but then wants to kill herself? Uh, you know, the strangulation and then finish the job seconds later. I want to get it, but I don't. Uh, can you explain Kids it? herself because she loves herself. Ooh, uh, less of a rant this week, even though there is more to say. Well, one last one. Can't help it. Did no one hear the frenzied tent murder with tents five feet apart it's from each woods. other? <laughs> anyway, I suggest we all try to save some energy for next week as it seems they will continue to pile onto Villanelle and I, for one, don't know if I can take oh, it. Oh, Michelle. Michelle. Oh, thanks for writing in. Thank and you so much for writing in. <sighs> what first? Yeah, no, I'm looking at everything and I'm like, mm, there's a lot. Uh, there was a mention of the vicar, yeah, in there and enjoying his downfall, mm-hmm. even though there were some haters in the group. And you know, as I said, I, I couldn't stand that damn cloister in the recap, and I certainly couldn't stand the vicar. And I don't know if I said in the recap, but part of why I thought his hypocrisy and his omission of his own past of being a drunk, apparently. So much that you drunk, 
and drove. Mm-hmm. And it resulted in the death, which under the law, when you're drunk, murder of your fucking wife. That, you know, I would imagine anyone who's walking in any faith, whatever, belief, belief system, philosophy system, that if the concept of moving forward and, you know, whatever holy book you're involving, in this case, the Bible, concepts of honesty, truth and transparency, how can you think that you're leading a ministry of truth that will produce any real fruits of that if the leader of it, in this case, this vicar of the cloister, isn't being truthful and transparent about his own journey, about his own fallibility, that we are all human, that we all fuck up and that we can't make mistakes. And actually, yeah, look at me, bitch. I made the biggest mistake. I did this. I was a cur. I was a horrible person. But I was able to rise up and did this because God loves me because, allegedly, God loves everybody. Like, isn't that the (laughs) message? I thought that a whole bunch of them Bible parables and stories were like, look at this person that was the down baddest they ever was. Look at this person everybody was spitting on and was saying that wasn't worth shit. And Jesus was still like, hey, you, come chill. So if that's not what you're doing, that's not what you're fucking with, then whatever you get is what you get. No, it's true. Because you're out here fucking with holy words. Right. As some people would consider them. And so you, you fucking around? I mean... You found out. I just, they didn't handle it right. No, it's true. And if you thought a bitch was so bad, if you thought a bitch was so wrong from the start, then well, yeah. you definitely didn't handle that right. Right. Why'd y'all let and her this is a dog winning in death. No, right. This is the death you invited. Mm-hmm. Oh, I knew that person was a down, bad, evil person. But know what I did? I taunted them. I dared them. I bullied. And then I was shocked when the violence was visited upon me. But the person I said was evil, like, miss me. So hopefully that will be my last rant about the vicar, but it agitated me so, because that type of... Self-righteousness always does. It's like, how are y'all a cloister? But and I'm a Villanelle energy... apologist, all right? No. Well, <laughs> but, but mostly the first thing. Mostly the first thing. They were on No New Friends. Like, I don't get how... Mm. Mm. Like you said, clicks. Right. It's... Is that decent? It was that's weird. Not, that's not what it should be. I was going to say, like, at one point, someone's got to leave high school. Leave it be. Like, all of that you can't sit with us energy when it's supposed to be for God is... That's weird because that's a lot of judging that you're doing on behalf of somebody that's supposed to be doing all the judging. So it's, it, it was all goofy behavior. Betty goofy. And as far as the Jesus delusion, <laughs> y'all who are watching the live and then of course the recap, I you heard my confusion about the Villanelle Cristo involvement because we've never been a surrealist show. Right. And it's sure as why not? You know, why not? But it does stand to reason that if it is just for a funny ha-ha and it has nothing to do with her characterization going forward, that she won't reference it, that she won't mention it to Eve, like it was something significant to her. Um, yeah, then then we can argue about it potentially being wasted time. And what was the utility? And was it worth it for the minutes that it took? What did it build to? What did it lead for to Villanelle? And ultimately, we won't be able to answer those questions until... The show is done mm-hmm. to then see how it all stands and what it all means and whether or not Villano Cristo makes a fucking cameo in the last scene and is like, hey, girl, it could happen. Y'all don't know. So I just, yeah. yeah. The, the best I got is that Eve tries to get some sort of answer out of Villanelle about the woman in her past. And Villanelle thinks that she's talking about Villanelle Jesus Cristo when it's actually about Maria. <laughs> That's the only thing I got, but... Yeah, it's this is all wait and see. 
Yeah, and in terms of her seeing Martin earlier, I certainly would have liked to have seen that earlier, especially if Eve gets involved sooner than later because doesn't she have to? Which I certainly didn't bring up that side muse of like, what's going on with Martin? But I predicted long ago in a snack that Martin wasn't long for this world, so I don't know if it'll be Eve or Villanelle or them together or outside person, which is my original muse. But I think <laughs> Martin, as I said, you in danger, girl. You in danger. But yes, I think that in order for her to see Martin earlier, she would have had to bend fucking in Eve's hotel. Because I can only assume she gets to Martin from Eve directly or something in Eve's hotel room that indicates that she saw Martin and oh, Martin's a therapist. And if Eve has seen him, then I'm going to see him too. Who knows? Villanelle likes to draw strengths. And so they would have had to skip the cuesta. And maybe that's why you are so like split about the Jesus Cristo Villanelle because that is a huge part of the cuesta. And maybe if we don't have the cuesta situation and we just start Villanelle from a lost place without her being in the church, then we get her to trying to shack up without Eve's permission in her hotel and then to Martin and whatever the fuck happens there. (laughs) Rejection. (sighs) But yeah, yeah, those are my thoughts as far as Malton is concerned. And then, yeah, you already mentioned about the stigmata on the hands. (laughs) Yes, that happened. Yeah, they tried to frame it where you couldn't really see it. But yes, both hands did get nailed. And I don't know. As far as the people not hearing the screams, like I said, Killing Eve Science and horror movie mm-hmm. rules mm-hmm. in the woods. Mm-hmm. Nobody hears you scream. We're, we were in the clearing. Where'd you go? Michelle, <laughs> no one can hear you in the woods. Even if someone is just next door. I don't know if you've seen enough horror films, but as I've said, I've watched them all, all the horrible ones. The tropes I understand inside and out, especially because they always want to give you a heavy dose of misogyny in every That's fucking horror film. They're like, heavy dose! With the massage and the add in some exploitation and maybe some thrills. But yeah, no, that's... Uh, it's <laughs> Look at all these acres of land where no one knows where we are. Barbara <laughs> was probably listening to a recording of the vicar while she was, you know... You know in a what? Tent. It's true. She was in a tent. As much as they were in tune in with vagrant. nature, they were probably all Curry in the there. Cross. Right, they all had their ear pods on. No, you're right. Something was going on. I said, what was everybody else doing? Mm-hmm. But yeah, outside of horror movie rules and killing your science, the cloister was inveigled. They were doing stuff, especially Barbara, who probably would have been the closest one to try to reach out and touch and lend a helping hand to the vicar. And that really just would have been a third body for Villanelle. <laughs> so better for Barbara that she was taking care of herself alone in the tent. But thank you for writing in, yes, Michelle. Thank you. Okay, this next message is from Dr. Theora. Dr. Theora writes, hey, you guys. Thank you for being the ultimate troopers and continuing to recap these episodes in depth because the writers really seem hell-bent on torturing the queer audience for Mm. this final season. I just want to express my shared grievance with all the faux Jafari content because it's really starting to get me more every time he's on the screen. Like you've pointed out multiple times, he really is super pointless as a character and seems to be enabling Eve in whatever this 12 revenge mission is. I don't get her energy towards a 12 unless this is her burying herself in a work thing so she can avoid facing Villanelle for real. And even though Sandra said he's not a romantic interest for Eve, it doesn't mean she isn't attached in some form to Yusuf, much to our shared displeasure. They seem very comfortable with each other, engaging in inside jokes and playful banter about bowel movements, gross, (sighs) and most egregiously, Yusuf knows a lot about Eve's past. Mm. Way more than any other friend we've seen. He knows about Villanelle. Why? And Carolyn, why? Mm -hmm. And the 12, why? All in caps. And quote, the 12 probably has your mugshot on the wall. Axe murder, refuse entry. End quote. From Faux. Oh, yeah. That was when he was taking one of his meal breaks. I remember. Mm -hmm. And she continues, Raymond. Yusef knows about Raymond. Mm -hmm. He knows all about Eve's first kill. 
the one that was ignored all of season three. The one we have never heard Eve talk about, but apparently she told Yusef all about it. I, for one, am personally offended by the fact that Eve confided in Yusef to this deep of a level. She told all her darkest secrets to someone she's known for less than a year who isn't, well, if you ask Sandra, oh, Dr. Fiora, it's two years. It's pandemic level time. So uh, how long she's been with foe, fuck up with foe. The ether only knows. But yes, who isn't Villanelle, the first person she shared the kill with and isn't her therapist. Honestly, her telling Martin about Raymond would have made way more sense to me. And I was in parentheses. Personally, I think we wouldn't be here if Elena was around because Elena would call Eve out on her bullshit and not enable whatever this behavior is like photos. I'm hoping something snaps Eve out of all this heterosexual parentheses. Where's gun? <laughs> oh my God. Well, you'll hear my muses um, by the time we get here. Dr. Theora, and well, you'll have to let me know what you're thinking about what I'm thinking, what all I'm right. saying about right. gun, how I've pivoted, but it's because of the stuff that's happened louder. Ellen, she's in the scene. She's closer now than gun and Carolyn will ever be to Eve's boudoir. So I just have to make concessions, but then rekindle, rekindle, rekindle. I'm not going to go back to the muses. I'm just, it's a place. Um, you have the cow. Oh, yeah. I'm the cow. Copenhagen, I'm barely <laughs> holding on. I'm barely <laughs> holding on, Copenhagen. <sighs> so where's Gun? Yes, because I don't know how much more of this useless man I can take, and I'm sure you all feel the same way. Indeed. Indeed. Turn Doctor. him into screen, uh, string cheese. Thanks. That part. Thanks again for everything you do. Fingers crossed for something actually sapphic to happen with Eve. Fiora. Yes, fingers fucking crossed. I have all of my fingers crossed. Everything is crossed. Wait, what was that? What was that gesture? I was thinking about the lady in red and what she said about the lady tampon not being hers because she doesn't oh, use... Oh, I cut my muses short, but I was going to... I mean, it wasn't even muse. It was just going to be a statement of fact. Like, is Ellen dragging Eve Palastri <laughs> for her lack of sapphic involvement, not only with another person, but with herself? With herself! With herself, Villanelle's getting it all with herself in all the ways, including three-dimensionally. But Eve can't do anything but hop on a knob when she's depressed. And I really think Ellen got all the tapes, all the CCTV. She got mm. the copies of the postcard. She mm. knows what the gay gals begin up to, and she's dragging that hoe. And the way Eve cut her finger, like, ow, bitch, it's loud. It's loud. It <laughs> feels I'm attacked. I'm being right, attacked. Right. I didn't ask to be attacked. Right. Did you read my diary? How do you know? Dear diary. <laughs> Another day passes and Villanelle's not here. I can't bring myself. <laughs> not me writing, but it's not aspirational erotica like May. It's, it's sad. It's, What's it the opposite sad. of that? What is the opposite of that? Uh, whatever, right. It's, I don't know. It's just like a chronicle. Downtrodden? And, what is yeah, that? It's, what um, is that? Beleaguered? Beleaguered erotica? <laughs> Beleaguered erotica? I know your whole body tired. Like Eve. how you cucking yourself, Eve? The way she unbuns her pants and buns it like a tire hoe. Just tired <laughs> of the aggressively heterosexual shenanigans. But as I've come to accept for this time and the foreseeable future, it is because she is self-harming in a whole lot of ways. She is self-destructive in a whole lot of ways, denying herself in a whole lot of ways. And that includes stank-ass fucking foe. You can't fuck a man you respect when you're Eve Pilastri. And look at her history. Outside of her husband, who do we got? Hugo? Hugo, who just fell for the honey trap. Right. I bet that fucking agent is brand new. I bet she out here looking like Sydney Bristol from Alias. Brand new. <laughs> First year. Like, what were they saying in Wheel of Time? Novice. She's still that. Right. And Novice, got Hugo's and got ass. got the head of the Russian Got desk. fucking Hugo. Right. right. So, anyway. <sighs> Ooh, Dr. Theora, I mean, these sentiments. You already know how we feel. It's right. Raymond. Right. We, we, 
I definitely yelled about that because I've been, I've been begging. I've been desperate since I saw the murder baptism, as I have so lovingly called it, since I laid my eyes upon that wonderful gift of a scene from Emerald Fennell that remains my top Killing Eve scene of all time. And nothing. It's the way she almost nothing. brought it up to Jamie, but didn't. But but like even like this is so we can still work in the realm of positivity and what we want because we said radical delusional optimism we are clowns then i'm saying it could still happen like maybe it happens after the argument i've tried to predict where she talks because the one person i definitely want to hear her talk to it about outside of some random hookup in a bar who she freaks the fuck out after she gives her the the pleasure no, yeah. of her life yeah. is Villanelle for her to talk about how it felt and for it to get sexy and dark for people at home. The kind of people who watch Gogglebox to be like, oh dear, oh dear, <laughs> I'm blushing. This is wrong, it's sordid, it's happening, it's naughty. That's what I want. I want her to talk about it. I want her to talk about how she was so scared that she was so into it, that that impulse to throw up wasn't that at all. And the impulse she had was to get to the boudoir, but she was too shaken to speak that. And she was so happy that Villanelle was just prepared to be like, I got you. I got this. I got money. <laughs> I got a place we could go. Yes. And I can even <laughs> cook. Because, bitch, I know you can't cook. I've been stalking you Ooh. for quite some time. You can't make a damn thing. So I got dinner. What you want? Skeddies? We can do it. <laughs> and then it got weird because of little guns and egos and manipulations. But, like, I just want Eve to be honest about that shit. No, because the yeah. way it was played, it was like she was good. Like she was gooch until she saw the gun. And so can she just be honest with Villanelle about what she was good with? Can she be honest with Villanelle about what she did like, what she did enjoy? Can she be honest about the smile on her face when she was crushing Doss's chest before the siren sent her running? Can she be honest about the exhilaration she feels? <sighs> Raymond and not hearing about it hurts me deeply, but I will not fully lament or be angry or go in on the creators behind Killing Eve until the show is done. Right. And I have confirmation that nobody is going to hear Sandra as Eve talk about Raymond on screen. And especially not to Villanelle, I will be upset, disappointed, hurt, flabbergasted, betrayed. But I'm going to wait. So there it is. Thank you again for submitting Integer Creo, Dr. Theora. Oh, it's the way I have to wait until everything is over. So I, th there would just be, I don't want to say there will be tears, but I, there, there just will be things. But for now, I'm just going to, say hashtag Larry trust because that's where I'm, I said I would be at. It's where I am. This next letter comes from Anne Marie and the subject is consuming with a question and it reads love you guys. It makes me so sad to see you sad on the Killing Eve live watch. <laughs> yeah, it's um, um, mm, thank you for your support. Thank you. We appreciate the note. I know I was pissed off as hell in that live the uh, last live and I couldn't help it and that's why I'll be coming into the live for episode three, like in mourning, because I'm going to try to, I'm just going to accept the melodrama that's going to come for me. And mm. hopefully you guys are prepared for whatever that will be and will support me anyway. But thank you so much for doing it so far. <laughs> and we're only two episodes in, but I know. Anyways. And Emory continues Here's my question What happened to even Villanelle consuming each other? Because I like that idea. I did. I like that idea. We mentioned it when we were in the ballroom. Don't bring me back to the ballroom. Oh, God. That was such a good scene, bro. Like, it was such a good scene. Like, it, it was so good. Okay, let me not get caught up in them slow dancing. What happened to them consuming each other? Well, according to Lauda, it was put on hold. It was put on hold. And that's why I have to put it on Villanelle at this point because of how the series ended and what Eve said. 
and Philomel being like, I have the answer and not having any answers as it would turn out that Lauda decided that that's how we're continuing Villanelle's story. That she's on this self-actualization journey, whatever, trying to figure out herself, refine herself, recenter, redefine, what have you. And that has taken her away from Eve. For whatever reason, she did not decide or she did not endeavor to do this at Eve's side, and it has had consequences. But if we look at what the word consuming is, how can we say they're not consuming each other? Like, they're not consuming each other in the direct, sapphic way that no, right. we so wish and hope for, and they have certainly wished and hoped for, but are they not still consuming each other, mind, body, and soul? Because these bitches are doing the most ridiculous shit, per usual, that they ever did do. Villanelle's in a fucking cloister. She's not anymore, but she was there. What the fuck, y'all? Like, come on, what the fuck? What the fuck? That's Eve Palastri. What the fuck? I don't care what Suzanne or Lauda says about her mom, her dad's orphanage, the church, the cloister. She wasn't on this bullshit until she met Eve Palastri. And that started the catalyst, the domino of effects that led her here, that led to the question of family, that led to any jogging of any type of anything in her emotional fucking cortex of stuff. So those are the facts. And they decided that she needed to do this by herself. It's had consequences, but the consuming is still there because the cloister is a symptom. And who is the only person she gave a damn about? We all know Knowing about the cloister. It was Eve. Right. We saw she was adorable. Trying to, oh, where's the perfect view? Okay, because this is my best <laughs> profile view. Yes, I need her to see it. And then she didn't show up and she was super excited. So it was Eve that she wanted to have come. And she was acting so adorably and trying to arrange the space and everything else. And if the mandate or the desire for Villanelle was to be good, to be seen as good, and to be accepted as like this person. Did she not have that without Eve? She didn't need Eve's approval for that. When we meet May for the first time, she is lost in the Villanelle, or rather Nell sauce and the entire Sapphic Vapor she fully believes. She makes all those analogies about who you are. You have her. Right. She's ready to defend you to her daddy and whoever else. She wants you to be her wife. She's ready mm. to take the fucking vows because she's religious and she wants to do it right, maybe, perhaps. <laughs> but the point is that she could have had that if that was what she wanted to masquerade. Not me thinking about that song from Phantom of the Opera. Masquerade. Lord. See, it's the musicals, whatever. And the world will never find you. <laughs> So if May believing in her and the vicar accepting her and her living there and the cloister continuing to put up with her before she decided to act out against their bullying, then does that mean the whole cloister venture is about Eve and Eve's individual perception of her, period? The answer is yes. Well, then that to me sounds like consummation. Not the kind we wish, but the kind that is all-encompassing is up at Nair. Because she did that for months just to fret like a motherfucker. Nervous as hell, butterflies. I have butterflies. Just to have Eve not show up and then pray to the box. <laughs> e right? Embarrass herself in front of the fish. And for what? Slapped around the world, around the verse. So this is like, girl, all that effort for what? That's why I was yelling earlier when I was trying to get you to understand my muse. I'm like, feeling I was wrong. And the bitch took a hard L, the biggest L. And Eva's making sure she feel that fucking L, but that's what I need to argue. They need to talk. Villano needs to be like, I was wrong about this. I should have never let you go. I should never let you walk off that fucking bridge. I always knew what it was going to be. And just because I don't want to work for the 12 anymore doesn't mean I don't want to fuck with you. Like, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant to say. I was lost, but this was, I wish we could have found me with you in the boudoir, worked it out, talked, I don't know, C. Martin, whatever. But I just need Villanelle to come to some humility where that's concerned because a bitch has acted like she's known everything at every turn of the series. And she has been humbled by life, by her horrible mother who tried to drag her in Pinna. And so 
Where's the reality? She needs to share some of that with Eve. She needs to realize, okay, bitch, I'm not, yeah, let me be honest with you. I'm not a high horse. I'm not perfect. Everything doesn't just work out. I'm not just right about everything. I'm super smart, super talented, but I was wrong. And this thing I suggested for us, it was bad. And I feel like you're really angry about that. And I just want to let you know, I get it. And I'm sorry. And I've been suffering without you. I've realized my mistake. Fuck the cloister. I killed the vicar. Probably not the best idea because I'm wanted and you should know. You put me here in jail but, <laughs> or maybe this is after they broke her out they broke her out right. and she's, they're having this talk I don't know but you know I just I feel like it's all consuming and with my ridiculous Eve muse of her you know sadomasochistic behavior points like she's fucking doing everything to hide from the fact to deny the fact that everything is still about Villanelle desperate it's a 12 it's a 12 I gotta get to 12 what you mean Eve the only reason you know and give a shit about the 12 is because of Villanelle why you care about the 12 is because of the proximity to Villanelle. How did they get her? Why did they get her? How did they keep her? How did they deal with her? But now, oh, it's got to get the 12, got it in the 12. Bitch, you full of it. You full of shit. So, fine. End of 12, that's your new thing because you have nothing left. Not even clean underwear. Fine! <clears throat> but can we do it with Villanelle, bitch? And that's why we are one step closer to that, I do believe, optimistically, because Villanelle's out of the cloister. And perhaps she is going into jail. Again, I'm getting right with this. I'm getting good with this. Because it's the worst thing that could happen. So if it doesn't happen, it's fine. If it does happen, I'm already preparing. I'm already mourning. I'm already preparing my tears. So, <sighs> there it is. I don't even know where I was going with the end of that. But I, that is just me saying they are still consuming each other, consumed by each other no right can't stop right the circumstances around in which they place themselves are definitely influenced by one another so yes okay this next message is from dana oh my gosh <laughs> it begins candace with several exclamation points i'm going to need you to watch it right now candace i mean gay panic haha <laughs> I cannot wait for your guys' reactions, to be honest. Always enjoy listening to your podcast, continuing your misandry ways. Lord of mercy. <laughs> I'm very scared for episode three. The way I have not watched it early, you guys. Oh, I dear. Know. Oh, dear. Whatever you see will be what you see. Mm-hmm. Whatever will be, will be. If somebody, oh. you know, walks off frame, I mean, that might happen. I walk off so frequently. I'm going to try to stay. But I might just be on the floor. I might lay all the way out, bro. Like, I should bring in that bench. If you hear someone pouring themselves a drink off camera, that may be happening. Oh, whatever. You're always pouring yourself <laughs> drinks off camera. That's cute. That you're like, if you hear it, it'll be happening. It's just that, at what frequency? And then will we even be able to record the recap? Your head will be hitting the mic much earlier. Oh, no. Depending on how drunk you are. But soon, Dana. Soon. All right. This next letter comes from Becca, and it's about season four musings, and it reads, Hello there. A big fan of the pod and love your queer-centric take on this show. Uh, thanks for listening. Thank you. At the time I wrote this email, I had watched through episode three. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, so we should be fine. And <laughs> I know. I'm like... <laughs> Like alarms, alarms. Right. And thus far, I'm feeling a combination of bummed, annoyed, and confused by where this season is taking us. Something I've been thinking about that y'all discussed in episode one snack episode is how we got to this point with Eve and Villanelle's relationship. Specifically, why is Eve being so cold and dismissive towards V after mm. several years of obsession and interest? Obsession. I think it's a combination of several things. One, Eve does not like or care about other people's feelings. She doesn't like or have time for soft Villanelle. When Eve was with Nico, she used lies, distractions, and sometimes even gaslighting to avoid having to talk with him about his feelings mm. 
Mm-hmm. I feel like I will wait. Villanelle was initially presented as callous, powerful, and controlled, which Eve found intriguing. She wanted to know how V felt about killing and why she did it, but shot down expressions of her actual feelings. So far, I've seen no indication that Eve cares about Fojafar's feelings or wants to know anything about them. Well, that is certainly accurate. That is absolutely accurate. Two, the times in the series when we have seen Eve the most turned on is when there is an element of danger. An assassin running at her car with a gun? Get out and move towards her. The assassin know where she lives to send gifts? Instant arousal. Villanelle getting physical with her on a bus? Kiss and hepa. <laughs> but Villanelle on her knees with Fight tears me, in me. her eyes or V trying to be a good person? Eve has neither the time nor the fire in her loins for that nonsense. And three, the age difference. Eve's 41 years old, recently divorced, and potentially going through a midlife crisis, guns, <laughs> motorcycle, and Sandra a boy crisis. toy. Villanelle's 24, in which my experience is a tumultuous age for anyone. <laughs> Why do you say tumultuous? She's trying to figure out who she is. They are in different places in their lives, and Eve thus far has not shown any indication that she's interested in supporting V on her journey. Those are my attempts to understand how we got here without chalking it all up to this season's writing. <laughs> and of course, at this point, there's still no explanation of what happened during the lost month since oh the scene on the bridge. Is this going to be bigger than Forced D? Oh, we, we thought that was see. the worst right. ever. They oh said, hold gosh. my beer. I have not loved this season so far, and I truly hope that we get some sort of mid-season turnaround. If not, I know I can come the two of you to share my pain. Hey. Thank you. We Becca. can definitely do that. Well, let me start with number one, which was Eve does not like or care about other people's feelings. I would say mostly, generally. My own assessment of Eve has been like a lot of veneer, a lot of like just superficial coding that people can get away with in the same way that serial killers do when they're masquerading in lives. And they're like, oh, look at me. I'm donating to charity. I'm going to church. I'm going to my, if they have a kid, PTA meeting. I'm doing the work Christmas party. And everyone thinks I'm fucking normal and I fucking care. I give a shit until you're frank. And you're like, nobody came to my wife memorial or whatever. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was like, nobody gave a shit. And they're like, we surely didn't. And so nobody was really fucking with Frank. But I think there's truth to Eve's limited empathy because we saw that be exercised throughout series one, series two, and series three. And of course, Bill was her bestie, like I said, mm-hmm. her work husband, but... To be honest, if she were pushed into a situation like she was with a Hugo, where it came down to Bill or Villanelle, I think Bill would have found fucking out. And he would have been like Constantine calling for Villanelle at the end of series three. Eve! Actually, actually. Eve, really? <laughs> She's like, yeah, really? Like, I gotta choose Villanelle. Fuck! Like, I'm totally gonna like be upset this later, have some violent sex with Villanelle as I pretend that I'm really upset about it. But yes, Bill, I'm choosing Villanelle over you. It's what's happening. And so there's truth to that. There's truth to her gaslighting Nico, but also I don't really think she, like she didn't respect Nico. She fantasized about killing Nico for years she did. and how she exactly did. she would do it and get away with it. Yep. Now I do have to come against the not interested in Villanelle who is the soft Villanelle because this version of soft Villanelle is coinciding with the cloister. If you look at the version of soft, vulnerable Villanelle, Eve got a peek into that shit at the end of series three. Hello, the ballroom. Hello, a bitch was looking for a lord. She was getting dragged by the guy running the dance. He was like, girl, not only are you dancing alone, but you're dancing off beat. Mm-hmm. Go sit down. So she looked lonely. She looked lost. She looked contemplative. And I'm going to say that Eve got the vibes. She's not happy. She's not where she was. Like, she's not on that same jaunt. 
that she was the last time I saw her. Something has changed. And she immediately wanted to know, what's wrong? What's going on? What's up with you? What happened? And Villanelle was still obfuscating. Remember, we were like, Villanelle, talk to her. Villanelle, let it, let it all fall out. Villanelle, spill it, spill it. You killed your right. mom. You killed your mom. Tell her. Right. You killed your mom. And you're fucked up about it. And instead, she alludes to the broader thing. I've killed a lot of people. That's I what's know. on my mind. Murder, like me, me doing the murder. And Eve just says, I know. She's holding her. She's literally holding her mm-hmm. in this reassuring embrace. Slow dancing. Leading. Are you leading or am I? Eve. Because Villanelle didn't know what she was doing. And that was like down to the dance. Not only did she not know what she was doing emotionally, what she was going to do in life, she didn't know what to do on the dance floor. And Eve was like, I got you. Help. So that's why we rejoiced when Villanelle got into her protective mode because she could do what she could do, which was the one thing that Eve couldn't do last season. But now they're saying she could do, which was defend herself against a fucking assassin. Rianne showed up, broke up the shit like Chloe. You're like, God damn it. Another right. fucking... Why? And so she had to go handle that because she was like, I'm going to protect you. Like, please, just go over there. And that echoed her in series two where she was like, don't do anything brave. Because she's still trying to protect a bitch at the same time that Eve was trying to protect a bitch. Like, hey, I need, no, I need to be there for her. No, she can't handle it by herself. Those are two women who care about each other. Just because they be expressing stuff in fucked up ways, it doesn't negate the care. It doesn't negate the concern. And they might be pissed off that it's still to the levels that it is, but it is what it is. And it oscillates as to who's feeling angry and resentful about what. And right now it's Eve's turn. And so outside of the practical reasons I've given, there's also the under attention Suzanne paid to Eve Palastri that I'm sure the writers felt they needed to fix. And so they got to give heavy Eve stuff. They got to try to progress her faster than they maybe normally would mm-hmm. because they didn't progress the pitch at all. Really? In series three? Like it was bad. Ba- barely. where is barely. Eve? Right. <laughs> right. Remember uh-huh. the fans assaulting Derek or whoever was the intern at that time? So those are realities that we have to acknowledge, especially when we heard Sandra Oh. And the Variety interview, those clips we listened to earlier, talk about how things apparently massively changed because of the panorama. And that'll be interesting to hear, maybe, if we get to know those details after the show's done, to be like, well, what the fuck y'all talking about? How much of the plot are y'all talking about? Like, what about it changed? Like, what did you have to concede? We we want to know. So yeah, I do not agree that she doesn't. She's not into soft Villanelle. I don't think she's into disingenuous Villanelle. And if I could just remind you of episode five of series one, where she asks Villanelle, mm. and she means it, tell me, what happened to you? I'm making guesses. I'm right about these things. I'm definitely wrong about this, because you don't care about men. I haven't fully learned how little you care about men, but I want to know, what's up? And then Villanelle gives her a bullshit story. And what happens? Eve calls her on it immediately. Bullshit. 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 You're full of shit. Bullshit. Here's what's real. Here's what's true. Here's what I know about you. And then Villanelle had to wipe her fake ass tears and be like, oh damn bitch. (laughs) And then, you know, things escalated as they did. But that is the evidence that Eve has always been curious. Do we not remember the end of series one? I just want to know everything. I think mm-hmm. about you all the time. Uh-huh. I think about what you're doing, what you're wearing, who you're doing it with, what's going on with you, what's in your head. Why do you do what you do? I just want to know everything. That was Eve Palastri. Yes, it was. Tell me, has she heard everything? Did a bitch say, let's go from the bridge to the boudoir and <laughs> talk and fuck for 18 hours straight? No, that's not what they did. So a bitch has unanswered, unmet things, oh, things yep. unresolved. And for foe, of course she'll give a damn about foe. She'll like, give a damn about her Oh, That's why she with no, foe. So right. how's she going to give a damn about foe? He probably was like, my mother wants to. She was like, shut the right. fuck. Right, literally, literally. Want me to attack your mother? Because I will. Don't bring her up again. Um, <laughs> I was like, Eve, you're so dark. Wow. And the second point you brought up was Eve being turned on during danger. Oh, right. Okay. And so you contrasted that with Villanelle being on her knees, praying to the e Well, 
again, I must tie that back to the cloister and my belief that Eve finds that entirely disingenuous. Eve does not respect it. She does not value it. She does not see it as genuine. And what she's wanted from Villanelle always is the genuine, the real, and potentially the full real that she doesn't let other people see. She's like, I want to see. I want to be greedy. You say that you know shit about me that nobody else knows. Can I be in the know? I would like to be in the know as well because I feel like I know some things, but I'd like to know more things. So, yeah, I don't know that that is a negative when Eve has been receptive multiple times to Villanelle being soft. And she was receptive to Villanelle's softness at the end of series two, we know. Everything was going according to plan until the little bitty gun and the freaking pigeons, the Italian pigeons, those bastards. They flew. Villanelle went, oh, got spooked like she wasn't an assassin. Eve was like, what's that? It's just bats. What's that? Is that a gun? Oh, what? This? Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I must confess that after watching episode one and two, but not three, because we still haven't gotten there, that I did wonder what was going on in the missing moments, in the missing hours, missing months possibly years, and what this turn up was about. But early in this muse, I was given a beautiful lens to be able to see things through, and it does color my perspective of the events differently. It seems less, I don't want to say the word petulant and uncalled for it, it seems a lot less of what I thought things were, because now I'm seeing more of what was going on behind the scenes in the inner annals, what was being analyzed, and how it all just chose to bubble up and come out. Lord, blossoming. Right, I ought to blossom. I'm surprised this life didn't happen Yeah, I just, you know, I'll be curious, Rebecca, after you hear my muse and you reconsider Villanelle's time spent in the cloister, what does it actually all mean? Whether you're on the side of gimmick and, okay, Villanelle Cristo is just for comedic relief. Or on the side of this is Villanelle really trying to find herself. How do you feel now, having heard my muse, about how Eve Palastri realistically would feel? Knowing what we know and knowing how we've seen their journey through the previous three series, how this looks. And especially now that we know that it is not genuine, that it can't be genuine, that a bitch is who she is. And you can change your life, you can change who you work for, but it's really hard to change some of the fundamentals about yourself. So coming to grips and loving you and trying to find better ways to live a happy life because that is what? Subjective from person to person. And so that's why I'm like, what is this worldview? Because Killing Eve doesn't need to teach me anything. So because I don't need to be taught morals or be given a world philosophy, a moral philosophy about wrong and right, it's really about the characters and them deserving stuff and me wanting them to have stuff. Whether or not people deem it right or fair or just. So what I want for Villanelle is for her to be adjusted in her skin and adjusted in her choices whatever the fuck that is and for me it was never in a church it's fucking ridiculous that they suggested it but that's what they did that's how they decided to explore that so Villanelle could not be in the 12 Villanelle could say she doesn't want to kill for money she just wants to kill for fun she can say whatever but say something that isn't just I want to be a good person because that's not specific enough and I don't even think existential crises work that way like even for people who take lives take bodies I'm sure there's some analogy somewhere for someone who's been in war somebody who's been in law enforcement and you take a fucking life or you take multiple lives and you have to deal with that reality but there's a lot of people who deal with trying to levy the balance of what they feel they've put into the world negatively and they want to make amends of some kind so Villanelle's not alone in that and it doesn't have to look the same way everyone doesn't have to do the same thing so as long as she's good with her and feeling like solidified in knowing what she wants and who she is that is a Villanelle that Eve absolutely can't resist so I just think the cloister Villanelle is insulting to Eve on every level. I've joked about it. I've mused about it. And with my added muse today, it's just, it's even further proof. Like, how is she supposed to deal with a bitch in a cloister? It's absurd. It's rude. She should want to square up every time Villanelle was in that baptismal frock. Like, girl, not you again in the cross. 
Let's fight. And because Villanelle had no fight in her, that's why she got slapped. Well. Otherwise, it would have been like the bus, and she could have won. I mean, actually, I would like to see that because it wouldn't have been like the bus. Like, they've used about variety. It would have been fisticuffs. It would have been nice. It would have been a longer YouTube video. It would have been the hotel oh, right. being like, we've called the police. No, right. But also, get out of the lobby. Don't knock it to the fish tank. Right. Well, hold up. Oh, wow, girls. Oh, wow. Wait, record. Because it would have been entertaining. <laughs> and it would have ended like those, you know, Xena fights. Well, there's a lot of giggling going on. You're like, are you guys fighting or is this foreplay? And someone's like, both. Why can't it be both? Like the meme. It's both. So, yeah. Yeah. And then this other uh, notion, number three, where you say the age difference. I, I, It's like a part of me wants to push against it, but it was posed for a reason. And since I don't have the proper framing to say that it's beyond age, I don't want to say that. I want to say that what Eve found in Villanelle, what Villanelle found in Eve, has nothing to do with, ultimately, like, the age is not working against Eve Palastri, especially in the eyes of Villanelle. And I don't see Villanelle's age being a part of why Eve is annoyed or irritated presently with right. what Villanelle is doing. Right. So I kind of want to just move age and just sort of remove it only because it's giving me interesting flashbacks of how people had age issues with the pairing of these two characters and them being potentially interested in one another when there are dudes out here who have potential well, interests. that's the that standard are... of the patriarchy, but it's all the under, it's the underestimation not the accent coming out, but it's really the power of the MILF in that concept. You don't got to be a mother. But it's about the age demo. It's about, I know. Was it General Jack Crack someplace? I have given my jaunty TED Talks about women in that window of life, in my opinion. I think women only get more attractive as they get older, is my personal opinion. I believe that about most women that I've seen, unless you are dark-hearted and karma takes your beauty oh, from right, you or something. Right. I really just think naturally that that's the way it works, which is why it's Hilarious that the patriarchy idolizes youth when women are like wine. It's only better with age. And so that being said, we are underserved for we are. our MILF content because men have been deciding to retire bitches who are, oh, what's that? Over the age of 25. It's been repeatedly done. There's so many women we could name from decades past, decade just ago, who are not in the movies like they used to because, oh, why? They're over a certain age and now it's time for a new crop of women that are going to play the ingenue. They're going to pay the hot girlfriend, the wife that says nothing, the character that has the extra love scenes that are necessary but you know they're there someone's got to do them so yeah like those are just things that happen and there are waves and vibes for for actresses and you know misogyny is gonna misogyny so there it is but I don't perceive this as something that's a barrier between Eve and Villanelle because the world hasn't been set up as such in which it's been presented as a barrier right. the things that have separated them in terms of skills like okay who's got the fight skills who's got the murder skills but intellectually they've always been on the same plane which is yeah. what's been intriguing they've understood each other they have vibed immediately they seem to communicate sometimes without speaking so that is that is where that is eve being a divorcee like she's living in a hotel like if this bitch isn't any more down bad if she's not any more self-destructive when you don't have a permanent source of address for no one to send your taxes okay or anything you not paying taxes she is off of everything y'all <laughs> she doesn't care she has decided to blow it all up that is the effect of fucking villanelle so you know a bitch down bad but the age now her being divorced, whatever. And Villanelle wanted that. <laughs> she no, wanted I, it deeply. She did. She was involved. She was a pod. She was the catalyst. So I wouldn't even call Eve, like, a midlife crisis. Like, 
Especially because I don't think Dark Eve is a crisis. Like, that's for Vlad. What of the fuck Carolyn was talking about? But it's not for Eve. Her riding a motorcycle is her leveling up. I had yeah. issues with her riding a motorcycle so well so soon. But Sandra O said two years. That's plenty of time to take lessons for motorcycles and to get good at it. So it is what it is. We are dealing in a time is what you make it storyline. Okay? Yes. Because the actors are literally like, time is what we make it. We decide. And then we put it into our performance and it's all going to work anyway. So we as watchers, we as the audience for Killing Eve, we decide too. In this instance, Sandra <laughs> had two fucking years as yep. Eve to learn that Ducati. That bitch was popping wheelies, you know? I'm going to say she had three side girlfriends on top of foe. But it was feeling too good. She was like, not feeling good. Oh, Back to the knobs. Uh, what do you do in Eve Pilastri? You just want to suffer. But yeah, I don't think age plays a part. That's it. TLDR. Yeah, that ultimately, that's the three points ultimately that were proposed by Becca. We can only hope that those lost months or years between the bridge and where we are now are fucking exposed in some way with dialogue, with a flashback. And those are our only options. That's all right. we have. No. Dialogue or flashback. Right. That's it. Right. You know? <laughs> I feel like I already said it like less than 10 minutes ago. And Laura, we trust until... You definitely didn't say that 10 minutes yeah, ago. Yeah, until we get to the end. So uh, thank you very much for writing in, Becca. Yes, thank you. Okay. And what's next? In the inbox. Oh, for Mars. Okay. It's entitled Eve's Fetish. Oh, my. This is a jaunty scroll I've done on my phone. I need to take a sip of water before I read this one. Dear Candace and Terrence, so happy to be back listening to your podcast for a new season. Your thoughts and musings and work have carried me through so much with this show. I cannot even tell you. And this season, we all need you even <laughs> more than ever. While others might say keeping them apart keeps the fundamental plot going, I'd venture to say after much thought that it just seems cowardly. Dare I say talentless? Parentheses. I'll say mad. it. Say it. Say talent. Say homophobic. Let me, Say, oh, sorry. Can I get? Sorry. This is Mars. Thank you. Parentheses, I'm mad. And uh, Terrence is still obviously very mad. I, my, I thought my muse was a bomb, but only for so long. Continues. Because really, it's wholly possible for them to be resisting each other in psychological, emotional, or spatial ways while still fucking. Indeed. And it's also possible to keep a lot of unknown in any relationship that also involves sex. Keeping the sex out this late in the game is very, very difficult to explain without the obvious. Homophobia. No, it's the truth. <laughs> think, think back to any Plain jaunty relationship you've had where sex being withheld was what? The, the glue that kept you in, in desire of each other? <laughs> or was that the, it's time to swipe left First of or all, whatever? Be like, next. I feel like early in this snack, you were saying sorry to all those lovers. Well, <laughs> who I left I was, full of desire, no, no, unsated. Right. But that was because sorry. I didn't understand. But my point is that we... <laughs> This is such a reoccurring topic that we have mused about it so long. We have reached in to our reservoirs of personal stories and knowings and things because the concept is recurrent. Yes. People keep acting like them fucking is such a wild idea. Exploitation. When it's just what's needed. It's what's natural. It's what's real. Unless it's homophobia. No, right. So like, we can call it what it is. And that's why I said the show got to go where the show's got to go. The show's got to end before right. they hear the potential wrath of Candace. But hear it, they shall. If we... Oh, I'm not even going to put it into the air. I'm not going to say what I was about to say. But if certain things don't happen by the end of the season, y'all already know. Yep. Okay. That's I'm just, it. I'm just saying we that. We ride I mean, a dog. Finish the, <laughs> the letter. It's a jaunty letter. It's a little mm. scroll. Mm. You know? Mm. When Gabby wrote her scrolls. And you, and for oh, yeah. All, this is for Mars. Okay. But here's my muse related to why that might be, at least for a while, 
why it was. For years, I thought, yes, Eve has internalized biphobia slash homophobia against herself and her feelings for Villanelle. But I also thought Eve was closeted about something else much more significant, that she's a sadomasochist. Sorry, that's me reading because mm. Moz seems to be zeroing in on something I zeroed in after being graced with that scene with Elen and led me to my foe moment of discovery, my eureka moment, and okay, all right. I like when I don't see what's in the inbox early and it just greets me as a surprise. Let me read it here because I was not expecting that. Okay, all right. So Holy lobster tails. <laughs> is that going to become a thing for the gays? Only the ones that watch Killing You. Oh, right. You know, some lobster tail. All right, so, right. That was the statement. That, that was that. That she is a sadomasochist and that closet door was the thing holding her back. She's in the closet about wanting to hurt and be hurt by a woman, not just wanting to sleep with women. I also think she doesn't want to engage in consensual play. She legit wants to kill and be killed. Like, we know this with Dark Eve Rising, but I just think the fact that it's her actual sexuality is what I'm hooked on. The show's relationship to Eve's sexuality has always been sideways. Actual sex with people rarely occurred in both times with Nico and Hugo. It was a transubstantiation of her desire for Villanelle and for violence. Until this season with Faux. <laughs> that is bad writing. Oh, I'm trying to hold on. I'm trying to hold on to things underneath, Mars, but I feel you. I do. I really do. They missed one of the most interesting things about this show's highly specific, constrained, and complex relationship to Eve's sexuality and sexuality more broadly. Anyway, I've been so overwhelmed by the homophobia of season four <laughs> that I forgot about my, quote, she's a closeted sadomasochist excuse for avoiding the smash. Until a recent interview with Sandra I saw today in which she was asked to describe the final episode and she said, quote, it's killing Eve. That was in capital letters. <laughs> so a bunch of people on Twitter think Eve will die in the final episode. Oh, that's brand new? I thought. Okay. Uh, I feel like y'all been saying that since series one, series two. So a light bulb went off. And it was a big one for me. So my bad if you have already speculated this long ago. Eve is not just a sadomasochist. She's an autosassinophiliac. Parentheses, I looked it up. Someone whose sexual desire is to be murdered, in her case, by a woman. Hence the sapphic energies. It explains a lot. Digging a blade into a critical vein in your leg while drinking blood, thinning wine, looking at a photo of a dead body. Mounting and stabbing the psychopath you want to fuck, taking presumably poison pills while staring into the eyes of the assassin you want to fuck, and clearly feeling away, saying, thank God, when someone tells you you'll be killed. This woman is burying her sexuality not because, quote, the villanelle is bad for her or any of that het nonsense. It's because her fetish is death, including Wait. her own. And I don't think she's suicidal. I think that's her sexuality. If Eve is killed in the final episode, as many are speculating from that interview clip with Sandra, my muse is that this marks the fulfillment of her sexual desire. It would bring the show full circle for me. It would make Eve a permanently compelling character forever and ever. It would be original and daring. It would explain what the fuck is so taboo to Eve about her attraction to now. Parentheses, but yeah, the situation with Faux and the extreme delay of sexual intimacy is still homophobic as fuck. Indeed. To be frank, this muse is like the only thing carrying me through right now. Please excuse how many paragraphs it took me to get it out. You're excused. I mean, no, you got the you longest winded are. bitches on this podcast. What do you think about the idea that Eve's true sexuality is actually a fetish for being killed? I really hope that Muse helps you too to survive the head shenanigans we're being dragged through right now. In these latest episodes, it's too much. Dot 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 of everything you do, and can't wait to continue going through this final season with you. You're my favorite podcasters ever. Warmly, Moz. Oh, Moz, you're a dear. Oh, the smuse! Oh, boss, uh, why did you, you do it? Why did you do it? 
to me, to so, us. So what you're saying, Thank Mars. You. But why? Is Mars. that Mars, wow. you're you're holding Mars. on to the muse. I can't even drink my nasty juice. <laughs> That's supposed to be healthy for me. Mars has blown me. Mars, it would be a delight to you. Well, because Mars is on the page I'm no, on. Right. So Mars would, would prefer Mars hopes. That Eve will get killed by a woman. Is what you're saying, Mars. Which is oh. right. <laughs> I mean, that's a way to tie it all in. It does all tie in. It does tie the fuck in because we have long speculated. We have. Terrence and I privately, <laughs> certainly in some of these muses, somewhere lost hours, hidden hours, Patreon hours that haven't posted. There's hours. But that has been a consistent Eve muse. Her fascination with pain her fascination with skirting the line of death and the real world implications of just like scientific reasons and psychological reasons and things we know people have studied to try and explain the dance that pleasure and pain have the fact that they live in the same part of the brain that the fact that pain is a uniquely human indulgence mm -hmm. like fucking otters you know koalas and they can be mean but they don't indulge in pain they're not like <laughs> Choke me, fellow koala. <laughs> that is, that's what humans do. That's human business. So it's very complicated. And a lot of people have tried artistically to talk about this dance and what that is. And I kind of feel like, I mean, this is different than to what Mars is saying specifically, but it's adjacent. And it's that thing where, you know, some New Yorkers have talked about it, like the impulse to throw yourself in front of a train or the impulse to throw yourself off a building. And I do believe one of the phrases out there to describe this phenomenon or this type of phenomenon is call of the void, mm. which is very appropriate. You know, like you get vertigo, but it's not because you're afraid of falling. It's because you want to feel that sensation, that drop, like in a roller coaster. And that's it's a weird flirtation because, you know, without a doubt, if I jump off this building, it's death. I, my bones can't survive. No, right. But the urge, the impulse to want to feel it. I'm just saying, people who like fire, I love fire. I think it's beautiful. But fire is absurd. It's like lava. Like, the, no, the yeah. way that I want to touch lava when I see what it looks like, even though I know you can't touch lava. It'll be the movie. You're going in. You're disintegrating. It's over for you, Candace. You can't even get close. The steam will kill you. But that idea of, like, this thing will hurt me deeply, intensely. But I want to do this thing anyway. And then you get to someone like the Eve Palastri, and it's on a more extreme spectrum. And then yeah. you remove the barrier that says, I'm not going to touch the lava. I'm not going to step into the fire. I'm not going to throw myself off the building. I'm not going to step in front of the two train because I just thought about it. That's all it's going to do. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to file it away. And I'm going to continue with life. Your Eve Palastri, the boundaries are gone. There's no more files. You've thrown out the files. And you're like, <laughs> I'm just doing what the impulses say. No, oh, yeah. So what do you think about, I mean, I've mused plenty about Eve's masochism, her sadomasochism, how I'm there especially with how they've decided to further her story with Ellen. And so what do you think about what Mars is saying about this in particular? Mars, this is definitely a thought worth deeply, deeply entertaining because none of what Eve was feeling seemed to the viewers as new sensations to Eve. It was more of Eve is now doing this in front of company. <laughs> and, <Well>. and <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. depending on what they choose to write in the episodes moving forward, we're either going to see more of Eve in a position of either inflicting or receiving said pain. We saw that small clip of her reaching for the Lady in Red's neck. We saw that. Oh, she grabbed it. We, she definitely had that neck. <laughs> we don't know what happens so, after she gets the neck, but she no, definitely right. puts hands. Right. So On a bitch. whether they choose to give us more of this pain, this pleasure, this pain, 
on screen is to be seen. But yes, that is that not is... the parallels coming back to crash. I know. But movies like that, that's actually what it's dealing with. That this concept of a kink, a fetish, what have you, that is sort of defining you, that your obsession with it, your need of it will lead eventually to your demise because it has to. Uh... Well, oh dear. Oh dear. I believe I've made it somewhat clear that I don't want either of them dying singular. I do not like the concept of one living without the other, just because it would be unfair to the one that was left alive. Yeah. Why? And so if death must be the root, both should die. However, I do believe the fact that they've been telegraphing death to the point where everyone is assuming it, if it is actually that, that is not good for the show. They have to find a way to upend people's thoughts in that finale. I do not know what that could be or should be at this time because we haven't seen enough episodes. I just think it's really, really bad that everybody can see a death coming a mile away so that if it does happen, it got to happen in some fantastic, fabulous way to erase the fact that everybody knew Eve was going to die or Eve and Villanelle was going to die. And so, like, I think I'm used in the previous snack that the now subversive thing is to keep them alive and kill someone like Carolyn. No, someone yeah. you think is going to be safe and just on the margins, you know, doing puppet strings and shenanigans. And actually, she goes down. Oh, Carolyn, I don't want her to die, but, you know, it might happen. Oh, Mars, thank you very much for pointing out the blatant homophobia. We do appreciate honor and value that you have also noticed with the rest of the queers who are watching the show have noticed and some of the non-queers we hear that there are non-hits in the wild somewhere going hmm there's an element that's interesting that seems to be incorporated into the series that wasn't always here this feels as Candace said aggressively heterosexual and it's weird when things are shoehorned in when it doesn't need to be there it's weird especially if you don't have context to mm. support why it's happening and so is it one hand doing something to hide what the other hand is doing mayhaps but we'll wait and see we have no choice but to wait and see but thank you very very much for your muse mars i'm somewhere in there with you I have my sub-muses about faux. Let me know if my faux muse works with your Eve muse. Can they muse together? Can they be muse right. buddies? Can one muse help evolve the other? I don't know, because it's all transient. But I like that we are on the same, we are in the same lane, at the very least. We're on the same highway. If not the same lane, we are there. And so hopefully these additional episodes will help us to further zero in on what this is for Eve Palastri. And I'm with you. I just want to be subversive, like what I said about the ending. I just want it to be non-predictable. I just want it to be clever as fuck. All right, Lauda, give us your best in this series. Not just this series, but the finale. The finale. That's what we need. All eyes on you. The ball is in your hands. The ball is in your hands. That's not an expression. It uh, sounds like a head expression. Per, uh, and that's enough of a faux pas. Embarrassment, frankly. How dare you? Laura. I'm sorry, Moss. The ball's in your court. So we're Ooh. waiting to see what you're doing. <laughs> oh, louder? Oh. Uh, yeah, the ball's in your court. So we'll wait to see what you do. We'll see how you uh, stick the landing. Or if the landing will be stuck. We will see. Something will happen. Will you get free drinks for life, Lauda? <laughs> or will you get scorned and potential threats for life or people? Will your assistant you tell out? you not to look at the inbox right. yet on day will 237? Will you abandon social right. media for the end of time? Mm. Oh, even though this series is looking, it has pushed us to muse in such intense ways. Yes. 
to get to answers. I just, you know, I'm, we're not halfway. So I know I can be a melodramatic bitch, obviously. You guys have been listening to the podcast. So I know I'm just trying to calm down and make it make sense in the ways that I can. And I did a little better this snack. So mission accomplished temporarily. I mean, I still have a, a sad clown opera on standby in case I need it. Lord. But it may appear. We we shall see. There's always more time for clownery. It's literally episode two. <laughs> I don't, it's literally episode two. Well, I guess that wraps up this week's snack segment of Gayoko. All right, and so after Gayoko is spotted on Twitter, Tumblr. Let's do it. Spot it on. Oh, all right. Um, you guys see this? Wait. I'm is that Twitter? Tumblr? What is it? Send it. All right, I'm immediately. It all right, right here, now. Here, all right. Send all the things. All right. First up for me on Spotted On is you clowns retweeted my lonely tweet of depression after we watched the last episode of Killing Eve. It was a simple cry out into the void. (laughs) I thought it was the void, which was Killing Eve has me fucked up. Killing Eve got me fucked up. And it seems that at least a thousand of you fucking fellow clowns out there said retweet, like, whatever. And I think it's my first banger on my personal because... I never tweet, really. And when I do, it's just a few of y'all, bitches, and my friends. And then I looked at my phone, and I was like, what's this? Ah, it figures that this would be the sentiment that would vibe across the fandom randomly for my personal Twitter, which is just a simple statement. Killing Eve got me fucked up. And if the inbox is any other testament, along with this tweet that went to the moon, your tweet did numbers. It's people sharing in the sentiment and just understanding that, yeah, I too (laughs) have been fucked up by Killing Eve. Oh, I know we had the message from Jessica in the DMs, but I do recall seeing that Jessica had watched episodes two and three. So maybe we should save that DM for the next snack when we have some perspective on On episode three. No, that is fair. All right. The only other thing I spotted on Twitter, because I've been keeping a low pro with not wanting to be spoiled and everything, was a tweet that definitely had some engagement and it was from Twitter user Not Breakable. And the tweet read, It really is brave of Killing Eve to pioneer two alternate timelines on a serialized drama <laughs> TV show. Groundbreaking <laughs> writing. And there's an image. And in the image, there are the four season poster covers. Killing Eve series one, we got the sexy choke out with Villanelle. And underneath it is the number one. And then there's two arrows. One going up, one going down. And the upwards direction is season three in the ribbons of fate. And downwards is season two with the dip. That sapphic dip that was so lovely. And then there's an arrow from two to four. What did this suggest? That series three is, according to the image, is a version of a retcon. But they're it's also alternate timelines. Alternate timelines. They're also suggesting that series three doesn't take series two into account. Oh, does it? Because they're going to review. It, One would have to like, review. It's saying oh, that from well, one. it's saying because it's disjointed from how series two ended. So I don't know that I would go as far as to say that series three doesn't take series two into account because in order to get to series three, she takes the leap from what Constantine says to Villanelle on the stairs in the final episode. You can decide to just get to that leap and have Villanelle looking for her mom or her family without knowing that Constantine said that, but she did not know anyone was alive to then prompt anything else from Constantine or try to use the 12 until series two. So you could probably make it make sense. And I'd really have to think about it. I haven't thought about it, but you probably could to go from one to three, but it is still true that two had things that caused three. It's just that three did not take everything from two 
to make three. It only took some of two. No, oh, yeah. To make three. I was about to say, well, how do you explain New Malden after one? Like, <laughs> she has gone. And so now I'm in New Malden. Oh, so it's, it's. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, a remix of this, this artwork, if we want to still play with the timelines, is to have one and then have two next to one with the arrow going up to three and then an arrow going down to four. I don't know if that's what they meant to do. Well, no, they're saying that it's not mathing. For Killing Eve season four, it seems very clear. Right, yeah. They're that saying there's that four too many divergent three, stuff. Right. Enough people do not know what's happened to the bridge. And literally, they've given us nothing. None of the BTS or the writers' insight from the, the actors has given us anything as to what has happened in that break. Just time has passed. And how much time? I don't know. Depends on who you ask. But time has passed. So I think people feel like Eve's energy and how rude she's being to Villanelle feels natural or more natural to them if it's right after she shot and she's left to bleed out because that absolutely makes sense. Eve was drunk and detached in series three, but angry also works because she was angry in series three. She just doesn't show her anger to Villanelle directly until they're on the bus. And so I, I think that's what they're saying. But, oh, explain Eve. But that's really because they're like, explain the bridge. And to that, I'm like, explain Villanelle because y'all not going to get me to believe the cloister because the cloister is bullshit. The cloister remains fucking bullshit so it doesn't make sense we literally all we have to say until they say otherwise is that Villanelle walked away from the bridge and she was like a bitch is lost how do I get found Google how do I find myself <laughs> the church of England and she went to a cloister and asked them to take her in because what else is there and then from the time she got to the cloister she wrote to Eve it was like look I have figured it out to be good you join the cloister and you do good acts good deeds I am now a good person I'll be continuing on this journey to be good and when I'm ready to be baptized, I expect you to be there so you can see how good I am because I'm a good person. Again, because Eve never asked that. Eve never demanded that. Eve didn't seem to want that. Why Villanelle's doing that has to be for Villanelle. So do what you need for Villanelle, but make it make sense and understand who the fuck Eve is right now before you request things that make no sense. They make a no sense, Villanelle. Baptisms? That's like somebody That's saying, Candace, come to my cult initiation. Come watch the gang jump me in. Why the fuck would I do that? I do not believe in you being in this cult. I do not think you should be in this gang, so I'm not going to come attend your jump in. And I feel like that's how Eve feels. Like, why am I going to come attend the bullshit, girl? Hey, Candace, I'm going to do my first 5% speech at Barclays Center. So just walk past so I can street harass you in front of my new friends. Oh, my God. <laughs> why would... Oh, my God. No. No. <laughs> no. The cloister is inflammatory. I said it in the first snack, and I will repeat it. Villanelle and the cloister is inflammatory. You talked about fucking ex-lovers going into the military, whatever, going to church. And the, the cloister? Like, someone leaves you and they go to a nunnery, essentially. Ah, uh, please. Like, that's... It's gonna leave energy, especially with the petty gays. Come on, man. Eve makes plenty of sense. When you look at the cloister! My God. And I'm mad that nobody in that cloister had a speckle of energy to at least introduce Nell to Lilith, at the very least. But you know what? They're homophobic, because the way they stopped her blessings. <laughs> like I said, she left this mortal coil. She left planet Earth without a sapphic O, and my God. <laughs> what a tragedy! It is. What a tragedy. She's gonna be like, can I reincarnate? Could y'all put a bitch back on Earth so I can get some... <laughs> So for that con 11, so I can experience it. Now me thinking of Don't Tempt Me. Didn't I explain that movie to you? Uh, no. I thought I did. I didn't. It's a Spanish film. The Spanish title is Sin Noticias de Dios, and English titles Don't Tempt Me. And it has Penelope Cruz and Victoria Abril. Oh, oh. I was like, this concepts is heaven, purgatory, you know, hell, earth, whatever. And Penelope Cruz plays a person who in their, I can't remember if it was their first life, but previous life, before being damned to hell, was like, I don't 
it was a boxer now, but it was a misogynist, like a like you know stereotypical dudes dude, like mm. how people would see a Brando in a streetcar named Desire, like you're loud, you're misogynistic, you think the world of yourself, you're violent, and you know was a horrible person to women, just all the wrong moral choices, is in hell. And for the plot of the movie, has to go back up to earth to try to sway this boxer to be on the bad side, which is hell, devils, opposite of Jesus Cristo, Villanelle, and they put this person in the body of Penelope Cruz. And so Penelope Cruz has the swagger and the talk and the diction of a sexist man from a previous life. All right, so that's seeming like it's incongruous. Like, I, I'm trying to, like, picture... I mean, well, I'm sure that I totally the acting was... I totally before. I'm sure the acting was... was was it but it's 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 more so about the concept of what that was that she was from hell and she was in this body of a woman so she was acting like a misogynist would but just in the body of Penelope Cruz with other women like saying the comments you say trying to come on to women the way that you do just being generally ridiculous <laughs> and chauvinistic but it's Penelope Cruz and it was hilarious but in I think it was on earth they spoke Spanish in heaven they spoke French in hell, they spoke English. I think that's what it was. So but they were then making you did, statements. You definitely did reference yes. that. Only because I remember the realms and there being different languages. That was the joke. I'm sure some of the ladies there would have been like, well, all right. <laughs> I'm sure somebody was buying what... Somebody uh, was. Oh, okay. I imagine it's hard not to buy what Penelope's dropping, especially no, right. with that intense alpha energy that she was projecting. Mm. It's ridiculous. But that came out so long ago, like deeply long ago. But you know my memory for films. It's always there. Well, you guys are trying to make sense of it and we do what we can we do what we must all right so that is it for spotted on twitter tumblr as we head over to final takes this is the end guys well almost the end all right i guess i'll go first this week I've done a lot of musing this episode so i'll get right to the point with my final take my final take is everybody try to be easy try to calm down take a deep breath inwards and outwards if you have an app on your phone, maybe check that out for some breathing techniques, exercises, because I think we're going to be all right. It's not yet time to panic. The Titanic is not half full, all right? We're not going down with the orchestra band, just trying to keep it mm -hmm. lively. For the tragedy, no, we still have stuff that we can hope for and dream for that is exciting. And there are ways evolving, exposing themselves to explain what feels like the unexplainable, which is, of course, what happened at the bridge? Why did the ladies separate after they seemed like they were on the most same page they'd ever been? How did we get here? And so just working within the facts that we do know and what makes sense for the characters that we've come to know over the past three series, I feel confident and to say that Eve and Villanelle are still very much into each other despite mm. their independent behaviors in the first two episodes. And even though it feels like it's one-sided with Villanelle, Eve's behavior shows that it actually can't be one-sided. It's right. impossible just like for Villanelle. Right. And that Eve is a wild bitch, bruh. She's a dark <laughs> bitch. <laughs> and we've known she's a dark bitch from series one and she is being dark. Sandra O oh said it's gonna get dark. It's gonna get real dark and we are here. We are wondering what this self-destructive mode is that she's in. We are wondering what colors that it has, waves and vibes as to how she overall is or can be identified as a character, as a person, as a woman, as a misandrist. Who's to say? But things are happening with Eve Palastri and I'm just glad we have this much stuff. That we have this much to talk about when it comes to Eve because right. the shit was vacant. The shit was dire. There was a lot of content to feast upon for Villanelle. They were adding all these other things and family members and just whatever. They gave her a wife. They took away the wife. They gave her a new 
new mentor. They did all these things. And for Eve, they just gave her transient people that could easily be replaced that just were serving for information. And we were literally, the top of our expectations was her not hopping on a knob. And that's where we were for Eve Palastri. We got no continuation on what happened with Raymond, which is absurd. It's patently absurd to not have anyone mention it. We got nothing in the way of Dark Eve Rising until Dasha, and then it felt very rushed when Nico was forked and Sandra Oh gave that great performance looking at him. We did not get to find out the aftermath of what happened to Nico. We had another time jump, and he's just in the hospital. And so we were deprived of a lot that could have developed Sandra Oh's Dark Eve by letting her play something. Like, let her play that on screen. Don't let it be off screen. Let it be on screen. So we can come to some conclusions and some things about her characterization. So we didn't get a lot of that to the point where she was trending last, whatever, two years ago now on Twitter. So I am happy that there's enough happening with Eve that I can muse for hours about it. I'm happy there's enough happening with Eve to piss me off in a way that isn't just I don't have anything to make anything make sense. So Dark Eve is rising. A bitch is giving me savage content. Finally. In episode two, Beyond Foe, I have explained Foe to enough satisfaction to myself as to why he's here and why Eve is involving herself and bothering with his ridiculousness. And so, yeah, I'm just, I'm enjoying the ride. I feel like Laura is putting me through a roller coaster and a bitch like me loves a good roller coaster. And part of that is the dip. It's the dip going down. Like, am I gonna (laughs) die? Am I gonna fucking die? Surely I'm gonna die. And that's part of the ride is that we are dipping and sometimes that dip is going to feel real fucked up. But it's also going to feel cool. So, yeah, we're going up and down, up and down with these hosts. And where episode three will take me, I was going to say nobody knows, but y'all know. Y'all <laughs> yeah, know. I know. And so, whatever. I'm going to do it. I'm going to survive it. And then we're going to go to episode four. And then Eve is breaking, going out of jail or done. I don't <laughs> fucking know. Carolyn? Because she has to kidnap Carolyn. But to kidnap Carolyn, you got to get out of jail, bitch. So, obviously, we're making progress. We are going places. And I'm excited. So, that's it. That's the end of my final take for this snack. Ooh. Optimism and facts. And time isn't real. Well, I appreciate your final take. And it's optimism because I'm over here going, oh, yes, there's another spec script in the fire because episode two, much like episode one, has done none of the things that I thought it would do. Yeah, that marks the 25% mark of the entire season. And for me to say that no one is in a place to keep it real, I mean, it's factual. But then I'm hearing that there will be perhaps a conversation that will be taking place in episode three. So it's like, but will that be enough to get people where they need to be on the footings that I would like to see them on that could ultimately give me the sapphic content that my heart so desperately craves. I feel like it's not going to be enough. I feel like I'm on my knees for the wrong reasons. I feel like I'm not in the... In We're the opposite ends of the spectrum at the snack this week. Right. You're still swirling. And maybe this is your kiss for those faux Jafari giggles where you are still wading through the darkness of trying to find optimism, clinging to the shards of my muse where I found some light and through I, the chuckles. I'm happy <laughs> that you found it. <laughs> Someone has to. Instead of me, you know, Everyone on my knees. be in the dolefuls. Oh, for good reasons. God. I'm on my knees begging, please, to stop, stop with the hurting. Make the hurting stop. When will the pain go away? So your final take is that you still on your shit that that you really said I'm going to make this a situation so toxic. <laughs> it's it's sp- you're the villainy fan throwing tomatoes. It's the it's so I'm a- gonna be trying to go into the live optimistic, and you're gonna be there 
with your pessimism and your criticism before uh, it even starts. However, right. right. Whether you it's... guys heard it here first, and who knows when this will drop. Maybe it'll drop the day of the episode. I don't know. But you guys will have to see what Terrence gives you. Right. Either way, <laughs> at this point, I guess my new mantra, it's a mantra. I shan't be sober. I shan't. It's not until <laughs> I, I can get to a place sober. where I'm comfortable with everything. I just, I need to brace I didn't myself. say I would be sober. I still have optimistic feelings. I don't need sobriety to be optimistic or pessimistic. Oh, that's true. Well, all right. I will take that final take. It was the first take of this snack. And many hours later, it is your final take. So <laughs> negativity. It's fine. It's fine. We all have our moments. Mine was last week. And I have found a way through the light, through the clearing, to the light. So it is what it is. We'll see where I am next week again. Copenhagen. I don't know if I'll be here for much longer with my cow. It's very likely that I'm headed to Iceland. <laughs> just, Iceland's a beautiful country. I hope you guys are looking forward to seeing my cow soon. Well, after final takes, that brings us to favorite line of the week. All right, so it's time for our favorite line of the week. Favorite line of the week. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> So what's your favorite line? As most of you may have guessed, my favorite line is coming from the shepherd's pie scene. And the very specific line is the one that Lean delivers to Eve to let her know that, yes, I knew that this applicator was a bug the entire time. And would you like to know how I knew? It's because I don't use applicator tampons. And then my favorite line. All right, here it goes. You want to know how I knew it was a tracker? I don't use applicator tampons. I've understood women who can't insert their own fingers into themselves. <laughs> well, you know, Helene has points and points were made. She made those points. Oh, the Atandras. All right. My favorite line this week is from Eve Palastri. Could not defer to Helene because once again, one of my ladies gave me the most intriguing line that could be said in an episode by a protagonist and from Eve, also from this scene with Helene. And it was her response to what was happening. Does it hurt? Only if I let it. And that is all. The domesticist <sighs> Dark Eve rising. She wow. likes the pain. She wow. Her pleasure. She likes mm. the jaw and she wants dessert. Mm -hmm. So that's where Eve's at. And yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, this is like the Polaroid in Top Gun when he's upside down the other craft carrier. Like, this Lord. is, like, no one's going to believe that this happened. Like, you can't tell this story. <laughs> I mean, you have the hand to prove it. I mean, truly, so. Truly, truly. But it's, just... it's like. No, she could tell that story. And Fo will listen. Oh, well. And she tells Fo all God her stories. God damn it. <laughs> she tells Fo all her stories. <sighs> so, it is what it is. It is what it is. Ugh. Well, that was us, Nakasote. I do believe that we have reached the end. The end. It is uh, the end. It's true. So that, I guess, brings us to, y'all already know, is me asking about Rona Jams and if we got a good one this week. Well, no. No, I don't have any Rona Jams this week. I will not be bringing them out because I'm not in a Rona mood. I will stick with Fair. the spooky mood and just put on something generic and Halloween-esque for the current season. All right. There you go. All right. Spooky-inspired trap music. <laughs> oh, trap. Okay, there it is. Okay, gotcha. A reminder that you can reach out to us at Hey You Guys, all one word, at wellwellvillano.com. Our Insta is wellwellvillano, and our Twitter, if you are about it, about it, is wellvillano. Mm -hmm. 
Please continue to do your part and stop the spread and lower your risk of mass infection. There's an order coming from up top to ditch the PPE in our neck of the woods and baby surges of what's being called a kid sister variant of Omicron is being spread around. So please keep it cute and wear a mask even if you're vaccinated. Yeah. This podcast runs on gay hopes and dreams, but also your support. You can support the podcast by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or any other platform you may be listening to us on. Reviews are more helpful than you know. So if you haven't already, please go ahead and review us now. We read them all, appreciate them all, and they help the podcast tremendously. You can also support the podcast by becoming a patron, or even better, buy some merch from our store. Yeah. The address is misandry.store, and Candace has been hard at work on the new designs. Mm-hmm. You can also use ko-fi.com forward slash misandry to buy us the occasional cup of coffee. Please check the show notes for all relevant links. We are still collecting muses, guys. In our search for the biggest clown, we've asked listeners to supply us with outrageous muses, where one lucky winner will receive a jaunty clown chain. Check us out on our live for a gander. It is quite something. And lastly, please be sure to check out our network's Patreon at patreon.com forward slash church of misandry to support the projects that fall under the network umbrella. Donations help to offset overhead costs and unexpected expenses like commuting during a pandemic and studio maintenance. And as always, a very special shout out to all the essential workers, whether on salary or hourly, tip-based, and everyone in between. You help keep the city running and we can't do what we do without you. And so keeping in that same vein, I just have another spooky track for the country rundown. Ghoulish sounds. Well, all right. A very special thank you to Argentina, Nigeria, Paraguay, and Norway. What's up to Argentina, Paraguay, Nigeria, and Norway? Saudi Arabia, Japan, South Africa, and Portugal. What's up to everyone in Saudi Arabia, Portugal, Japan, and South Africa? Thank you for listening. Indonesia, the Czech Republic, China, and Mexico. Big ups to Indonesia, everyone in China, Mexico, and the Czech Republic. Israel, Denmark, Bulgaria, and Colombia. Hola, hola to everyone in Israel, Colombia, Bulgaria, and Denmark. Mark. Chile, Ireland, Belgium, Jamaica. Hello, hello to everyone in Chile, everyone in Ireland, Belgium, and Jamaica. Hong Kong, Taiwan, Bahrain, and Finland. What up to all the hoes in Bahrain, in Finland, in Taiwan, and in Hong Kong. Malaysia, Spain, New Zealand, and Sweden. Shout out to everyone in Malaysia, everyone in Spain, all you Swedes, <laughs> and New Zealand, home of Lucy Lawless. Philippines, Russia, Italy, and France. What up to everyone in Russia, in the Philippines. Bonjour to all you French motherfuckers. And ciao to everyone in Italy. Netherlands, Brazil, Singapore, and Germany. Hello to everyone in the Netherlands, everyone in Singapore, everyone in Germany, and hola to everyone in Brazil. Canada, Australia, and the UK. Bonjour to you motherfuckers in Canada. What's up, Aussies down under, and all you hoes in the UK. There's a lot of y'all. Thanks for listening. <laughs> and everyone in South and North America. Big ups, big ups, blah, 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 to everyone at home in South and North America. You hoes already know what it is. They're saying to take the masks off, but keep them on. <laughs> Thank y'all for listening. Well, that about does it for this week's snack episode. Sure does. A lot of snacking and a lot of musing was done, but now it is over. And we are only a few days away from the next world-altering episode of Killing Eve. Indeed. So until next time, here's hoping you get killed by a woman! And you guys, I'm still not ready to watch Eve reject Villanelle twice. I mean, from her hotel and possibly therapy when she's home.
She's a fool. She needs a fucking hug. But I get it, Eve. I get it. I just need you to calm the fuck down. Please calm the fuck down. Oh my God, help! And louder, louder, we trust. Even still, it's like totally murder.